Is there a giant lurking behind the scenes, threatening to steal your joy? Discover how to banish fear and worry when you read Slaying the Giants in Your Life by Dr. David Jeremiah. This best-selling book is yours when you make a donation to Turning Point. For a gift of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, study guide, CD or DVD album, and more. And this month only, for just $60, you can receive this set immediately as a digital kit. Learn more and donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. When life is uncertain, the most common response is also the least productive, worry. What if you could overcome worry once and for all? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals the strategy Jesus shared for doing just that. As he continues the series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, here's David with the captivating conclusion of his message, Slaying the Giant of Worry. And you know, friends, worry is... um... It's always been a part of the challenges we face. Uh, Worry is obviously, uh, from what we've been learning and will continue to learn today, kind of a subtle distrust of God. We 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 worry because we don't think God's going to handle it. We worry because we don't think God can deal with what's happened in the past. Worry is threefold. We worry about things in the past over which we now have absolutely no control. We worry about things that are going to happen in the future. We don't have any control of that either. And uh, then we worry about things that are happening right now. And nine times out of ten, the things we worry about never take place. So it is a very destructive habit. And it is a habit. It's a habit that can be broken. And Jesus gives us some great advice in Matthew chapter 6. There are two main passages in the New Testament on worry. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and Philippians uh, chapter 4. You read those chapters and those verses, and you will have help as you struggle with worry. We'll get to our discussion of it in just a moment, but first, before we do that, let me tell you, you can have a printed copy of these messages all in a beautiful book called Slaying the Giants in Your Life. You can win the battle and live victoriously. That's the subtitle. All of the manuscripts, all of the teaching from these lessons here in the month of February have been produced in a book that was released several years ago. It's been updated, redesigned, and it's now available for you to have. You can have it for a gift of any size during the month of February. If you'll just say, please send me the book, we'll do it, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. If you're struggling with some of these things or you're trying to help somebody who is struggling with them, This is a great resource, and uh, you'll be happy that you have it because you'll need it. And we want to make sure that it's usable, it is readable, and it is very scriptural. So you can get this book published by Thomas Nelson. It is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. Now let's get started with um, this second half of The Giant of Worry. We'll conclude our thoughts from Matthew 6 as we open our Bibles together. Now, the final reason Jesus gives when we face the giant of worry for not worrying is a little bit stiff, but just remember, I'm reading this from the Word of God. Because the last thing Jesus wants us to know about worry is not only is it inconsistent and irrational and ineffective and illogical, but it's irreligious. Notice what he says in verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that when we worry, we forget who we are. He said, when you worry, you act like the Gentiles. The word Gentile in the text is a word which is often translated by the word pagan or heathen. When you worry, you act as if you are a heathen. Worrying is not Christian. Worrying is not religious. Worrying is acting like you don't have a father in heaven and a family on this earth. Worrying is acting like God is not able to care for you. The people who are the pagans often worship idols that see not and hear not and handle not who can't hear any of the requests of the ones who worship them, and if they could hear, couldn't do anything about them. When we worry, we act as if God is like that. And Jesus said, don't worry, because when you worry, you're not acting in a Christian way. Does that mean that Christians don't have momentary worries? Oh my, let me tell you, I don't think so. I've raised four teenagers I know what it's like to worry, but I visit worry and I don't stay there. Some people I know don't visit worry, they move in. (laughs) They let worry be their lifestyle. They just worry themselves sick and then they worry when they don't have anything to worry about. (laughs) Jesus is saying, when you worry like that, you're acting as if you don't believe. Notice how tender he is in these words. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. And he's saying when you worry, when you let worry be your lifestyle, you're acting like you don't believe that your heavenly Father knows that you need the things that you need. So Jesus says the way you face worry is you sit down for a moment and you think through what worrying really is. Worrying is dwelling on the future that you don't have any control over. And spending all of your energies on thinking about what might happen tomorrow until you have no energy to deal with the issues of today. Now in the last two verses, the Lord Jesus reminds us of how we're to deal with the giant of worry. He tells us in these last two verses that there are two things that we need if we're going to get over worry. If we're going to face it and fight against it. How do you deal with worry if it's an issue in your life? Let me give you two thoughts. First of all, to win over worry, you need a system of priorities in your life. Notice what Jesus says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Much of the worry that destroys people is the worry of a divided heart. That's what the word means. A divided heart which cannot decide for what it is going to live. A divided heart that gets caught up in all of the things and the trinkets and the material issues of the day. It's interesting that the passage on worry is right in the center of a passage in the New Testament that has to do with personal possessions. And Jesus is saying what you need to do first of all to fight against worry is to get your system of priorities in order. Set down what you really believe, what you're really committed to. And he says, here's how you go about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Put that at the very heart of who you are. Let that be the lens that you look through into every area of your life. And then just understand that when you do that, all of these other things are going to be added unto you. How many of you know that works? How many of you can say an amen to that? Isn't that true? When you put God at the center of your life, when you make him the focus of your pursuits, then you can enter into life with an exuberance and you don't have to worry about the what ifs on either side because you know that since you've settled the big issue, God's going to take care of the other issues that come along. But it's a sad thing to see so many of God's people put God off to the side in their life. And I rather suspect that sometimes their worry is more a worry that's born out of the realization that they have violated this priority, that they recognize they should be living in a different way, and that worries them. And they continue to worry, and it just becomes a cycle that they cannot break. Let me tell you, the first thing you need to do if you're prone to worry is to step back for a moment and say, how have I ordered my life? What is the important thing to me? Young people, if you're just starting out in a relationship, have you put God at the center of that relationship? You don't have to worry about a lot of things if you're both committed to Almighty God. It's simple. When you get one fixed priority in the center of your thought process, get a system of priorities that's based upon putting Almighty God first. And when you do that, you will discover that God puts you first in dealing with the worries of your life. Now, the second thing you need to do is found in the last verse of this passage of Scripture. And of all the things that I've ever read about worry, this may be the most important and critical thing for you to do. You not only need a system of priorities, but number two, you need a strategic program. Now, here's the program. Watch carefully. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now watch carefully. No man ever sank under the burden of today. But many people sink under the burden of today when they add the burden of tomorrow along with it. What the Bible is teaching us and what Jesus is telling us is that we need to learn how to live in day-tight compartments so that every day is what we face. Not that we don't plan for tomorrow or that we might not have concerns about this or that, but we don't live there. We live today. Many years ago in the Chicago Daily News, there was an article by a very famous physician by the name of Dr. Osler. He made some wise observations about worry, having dealt with people who were struggling with the physiological ramifications of worry in their life. He said that ocean liners are built in such a way that the steel doors of the hold in the ship are able to be lowered by the press of a button so that even if the hull of the ship is pierced through a disaster of some sort, they can lower this steel door and close off the hull so that only a portion of the ship is flooded. And then Dr. Osler went on to make this important application. He said, in the journey of life, It is critical to learn how to lower the door against the tomorrows that would come in to destroy your life. And then to push another button and lower the doors against the yesterdays of your life that can cause you the worry. And learn how to live in the compartment of today. Listen to what Jesus said. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. 
There is a powerful verse of scripture in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy. And that verse of scripture says this, as your days, so shall your strength be. Say that out loud. As your days, so shall your strength be. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Jeremiah, you have no idea what we're facing. And then they'll list the things that they're looking at down the road. I've walked through the awful experience of bankruptcy with some people in our congregation over the years. As far as I could determine, it wasn't anything you know, that they could have stopped. It just happened. We went through a terrible period of time here when a lot of people lost everything they had. And I remember counseling with one of those couples on one occasion, and they said, when we think about what's out in front of us, Pastor Jeremiah, we have no idea how we're ever going to make it. And I remember saying to them what this verse says. You know what? Don't worry about tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. Let me just tell you what I've learned. Tomorrow, God will give you the grace that you need for tomorrow. Today, he'll give you the grace that you need for today. But don't ask God for today's grace to be used up with tomorrow's problems because you will have enough grace tomorrow for what you need. And we have to learn how to take one day at a time. That doesn't mean that you're able to dismiss the thoughts of everything else, but you don't dwell on them. You don't let those things eat at you. You just know that when tomorrow comes, you'll get out of bed and you'll get started. And what you're going to need tomorrow, God will give you for that day. If you can learn how to live like that, you can make worry go away. So what do you need to do? You need to pull down that door, that steel door that shuts off your tomorrows. Don't be worrying about what might happen. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Worry empties today of its strength. That's what happens when you worry. Mark Twain once said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. (laughs) He was right, wasn't he? So what Jesus is telling us is this. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus is telling us to take each day as it comes, give our attention to what God is doing right now, and not to brood about the future. And then the next thing we need to do is we need to close the door on yesterday. You know, I've discovered a lot of people worry about yesterday. Yesterday is gone. How many of you know you can't make a done thing undone? Did you know that? I used to hear people pray on occasion, oh God, may it not have been. I mean, that's not a real logical prayer when you stop and think about it. I mean, God is not going to make it not be. But watch carefully now. How do we worry about yesterdays? I've noticed that people usually worry about three things in their yesterdays. First of all, they worry about their sins. Sometimes people come to Christ out of a sordid background. Or maybe they've come to Christ and they've lived in a good home, but they violated the principles of that home and went on a long journey away from the Lord. And then they get things right. And then sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor Jeremiah, you know what? I just can't get out of my mind some of the things I did before I got right with the Lord. I cannot get them out of my mind. And I like to remind them that God has forgiven them, that he's taken their sins and put them as far as the east is from the west, that he's buried them in the deepest sea, and that they are forgiven. And often they will say to me, as a woman said one time, well, pastor, I know that God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. And so she worries about the things she's done, her sins. And I like to say to people like that also, you have a standard higher than God. 
God says he can forgive you, but you cannot forgive yourself. No, listen. We have to put our sins where they belong, behind us, over. We've confessed them. God has forgiven them. And when you choose to revisit them, you enter into the arena of worry that can destroy your life. Then sometimes when we don't give up the past, we live too long in our successes. Did you know it's possible to do that? Maybe in an earlier part of your life, you were at the very top of your career. You had hit your stride and, you know, I always wonder about professional athletes and feel sorry for them in many occasions. One of the reasons why oftentimes they have very difficult lives later on in life is because they reach the pinnacle of success so early. Where do you go after that? What do you do? You have to learn how to put your successes behind you. Paul the Apostle, one of the most successful men who ever lived, at the close of his life said this, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we have to do. We have to take that position. If we're going to live today, we can't be living in the successes of yesterday. And then thirdly, we not only have to give up our sins of yesterday and our successes of yesterday. Maybe this is the hardest one. We have to give up our sorrows. You know, all of us along the way, before we're finished on this earth, we're going to have sorrow to deal with. Goes with the territory. You know, my job is to help people with sorrow. And we do that a lot. I've lived with sorrow in the lives of other people. And to some degree in my extended family. But you know what? Sorrow can't be forever. Sorrow needs to be left behind. The Old Testament says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice, you don't walk into the valley to stay. You walk through the valley to the other side. And there are some of you dear people who have lost loved ones in months past. And the period of grieving is long since over, but you still worry and live and dwell in the sorrows of another day. And what has happened is you are losing every day now that you won't get free of that and ask God to give you the ability to go on with your life. I know sometimes people are critical when a spouse loses their spouse and then very quickly they remarry. I'm not critical of that. I tell you what, and if you've not walked through that before, you don't know the anguish that happens. And if God provides somebody in a reasonable amount of time, you don't want to be critical of that. And you shouldn't be critical of it unless you've known something of the sorrow. But you can't live in the sorrow of yesterday or you will worry yourself into an early grave. Amen? So you have to close the door on your tomorrows and you have to close the door on your yesterdays. And you have to do what the Lord said. You have to live for today. Make every day, this day, the most important day. One man put it this way. I was regretting the past and I was fearing the future. And I heard the Lord God say to me, my name is I am. If you live in the past, it will be very hard for I am not there. My name is not, I was. And if you live in the future, it will be very hard. For my name is not, I will be. 
But if you live in the present, it is not hard. For my name is I Am. God is the God of your today. God will help you deal with the problems of today. He will be there for you tomorrow, but tomorrow will be your today when you get there. I read a sign that's hanging in a gas station back east, and this is what it says. Think about this carefully. Free gas tomorrow. (laughs) How many of you know that when you get to tomorrow, it will still be free gas tomorrow? (laughs) God is the God of the ever-present now. And that's the word of the Christian life, isn't it? It's today. Live for today. Let God be the one who meets your need today in this hour. And you will be able to overcome worry. J. Arthur Rank had a significant and unique way of dealing with worry. He found he couldn't push his worries out of his mind completely. They just kept coming back. And he was a good Christian. He wanted to do the right thing. So he finally made a pact with God. And his pact was this, that he would only worry on Wednesday. And he made himself a little Wednesday worry box. And he put it at his desk. So anytime he had a worry, he would write it out and he'd put it in the Wednesday worry box. And he said he made an astounding discovery that by the time Wednesday came around and he emptied the box out, only about a third of the things he put in them were still worth worrying about because most of them had already been resolved. Most of them had already gone past. They weren't the things he thought they would be. Well, I don't know if you need a Wednesday worry day. If you do have such a day, please remind me not to go to lunch with you on that day. Uh, (laughs) But whatever you have to do to make worry a day-tight compartment then do it, and God will help you. Before we close our Bibles, I want to leave you with one last thought that I think will be an encouragement to you, some stuff that you can stick in your notes and hopefully in your heart. I want to give you in a few moments the seven most important words for people who worry. But let me build a foundation under it with three or four scriptures that we're going to just look at very quickly. The first one is Psalm 50, verse 15. And it goes like this. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. The second one is Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. The third one is 1 Peter 5, 7. One of the first verses I ever learned as a little boy. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And the last and the pinnacle of the mountaintop of verses is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything, says Paul, but pray about everything. The seven most important words for would-be worriers are these. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Say it out loud. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And my friends, if you will do that, and if you will listen to our Lord's instruction about worry from the Word of God, you can face the giant of worry, and you can win. Amen. Amen. Well, two days of talking about this problem, which is probably the centerpiece of this whole series. 
Tomorrow, we're going to talk about another major issue that people deal with, and that is guilt, how to get rid of the guilt. And we're going to examine two Psalms that um, replay for us the guilt that David dealt with after his sin with Bathsheba, the killing of her husband, uh, how he dealt with that guilt. First of all, how he didn't deal with it, and then how he finally dealt with it, and what a difference it made in his life, and how we can learn to deal with guilt, and how we can do it scripturally. That's tomorrow on Turning Point. I hope you'll be with us then. Let me remind you, before we say our final goodbye today, that we're going to Alaska in July. That's right, July 15th through the 22nd, we're going to take our annual conference cruise to Alaska. And this year, a couple of really special guests are going to be with us. From CBS, James Brown and Tony Dungy, two of my favorite people who sit at the desk uh, for the NFL games, and they're both wonderful Christian men, and they will come to share with us how you can live for Christ even in some difficult situations. You will love the interaction they'll have with my son, Daniel, who's going to interview them on stage in one of our sessions. I hope you'll look into this and decide to come with us when we go to Alaska in July. And be sure to be with us tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point, hosted right here on this station tomorrow. See you then. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. How are you being encouraged by this ministry? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, and learn how to banish the giants from the promised land of your life. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Before James Garfield became the 20th President of the United States, he was President of Hiram College in Ohio. A student's father asked Garfield if the college curriculum could be shortened so his son could graduate sooner. Garfield said, 
it depended on what the man wanted his son to become. When God wants to make an oak tree, Garfield said, it takes 100 years. When he wants to make a squash, it requires only two months. Nothing against squash, mind you, but the point is that maturity comes with time. There is no rushing God's timetable. With patience and obedience, maturity will come. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's curriculum for maturity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.